Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, I hope your uh, Thursday is off to a good start here, and welcome to this hour of The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond. I want to, before we get into the program today, want to let you know all next week during this hour, we're going to present Father Rocky's Holy Week mission. It's entitled, Close to Jesus to the Last, The Passion of Christ in Five Parts, and I really hope that you'll plan to tune in each day to listen. Father Rocky, he's our executive director here at Relevant Radio. He's going to give you so many different things to contemplate as we all walk together with Jesus throughout Holy Week. I I encourage you to set aside this hour each day next week to listen to Father Rocky's Holy Week mission. And if, for some reason, you miss one of those days, well, you can catch it. It'll play again in the evening at 6 p.m. Central, so you can catch that if you missed it during this hour earlier in the day. So a couple of times you can hear it um, each of the five days. Again, that's here during this hour, 11 a.m. Central, and then again at 6 p.m. Central with Father Rocky and that Holy Week mission close to Jesus to the last. Well, so today on The Inner Life, as we get started, when is the last time that you were at a baptism, able to witness somebody being baptized? And was it maybe your child or perhaps a grandchild or the infant of a friend? Were you asked to be a godparent? Or perhaps it was almost a year ago if you attended the Easter Vigil Mass at your parish and you saw those individuals that were being received into the church. If any of them had not been baptized, then that happened at the Vigil Mass. I was received into the Catholic Church in 2004, about 18 years ago. I had already been baptized when I was young, but my wife and I, we had three children at the time, three little girls who were all now grown and out of the house, but uh, they were all baptized that same day. And then as our family grew to where we have nine children now, well, with each new child, there was, of course, another baptism. And then my wife and I, we ended up teaching baptism prep for a few years at our old parish where we used to live helping those different couples who were expecting their first baby, helping them to understand the importance of the sacrament of baptism. And it was it was really helpful for me to be involved in that baptism prep because there's so many different things that take place within the rite of baptism that you might not realize are occurring. For instance, did you know that there's actually a prayer of exorcism prayed over an infant prior to their baptism? It's rather short might be missed if you don't know what's happening there at that moment, but the minister, usually a priest or a deacon, they, in the prayer, they affirm that Jesus, the Son of God, was sent into the world to drive uh, drive out from the power of Satan, drive him out from the world, the spirit of evil, and to bring us into the kingdom of God. And then the minister prays for the child to be freed from original sin, 
for them to be made a temple of God's glory and that the Holy Spirit will dwell in them. And then, of course, there's the water. That's the main part most of us remember. That's the main part we know uh, of the baptism. And that's the essential part there, uh, along with the words baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But there are other things. There's the fire, the light of the candle lit from the Easter, the large Easter candle. There's also that white garment that symbolizes the unstained dignity of this newly baptized child, a new member in the body of Christ. And did you know that a child is anointed twice, not once, but twice during the rite of baptism with two different oils? The baby is anointed on the chest with an oil called the oil of catechumens, and that's prior to the water baptism there. The second anointing is done with the sacred chrism oil, and this is immediately following the water, the baptism. And this is the one that I like, actually, because that sacred chrism oil, it's just uniquely fragrant, and it's used on the head of the infant. And so for each of our children on the day of their baptism, throughout the rest of the day, every time I'd hold them, I'd continue just oh, taking that sniff of their head, that fragrance where they were anointed, that nice holy smell of that newly baptized baby. Now, those two different oils, the oil of catechumens and the sacred chrism, do you know what those are? There's actually a third oil used in the Catholic Church as well, the oil of the sick. Do you know how each parish is supplied with these oils? And did you actually know that four of the seven sacraments, more than half of them, more than half of the sacraments we have in our church use at least one of these oils? Well, today on The Inner Life, we're going to talk about these holy oils. We're going to talk about their significance, how they are distributed to parishes once each year, and some of the other things that occur at a very special annual celebration of the Mass called the Chrism Mass. And joining us as our spiritual director, helping us understand the Chrism Mass, these holy oils, Father Michael Hurley is back with us once again. Father Michael is a Dominican priest and the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. Father, welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm delighted to be with you, Josh. I'm, I'm really, I'm super pumped because today is the Chrism Mass for our diocese here in uh, San Francisco, the Archdiocese. So we're actually going to, I get to talk about it this morning, and then I actually get to do it and be present at it uh, this afternoon. Well, that's wonderful. So now the Chrism Mass traditionally in most dioceses, if it can be done, it's celebrated early in the day on Holy Thursday, a week from today. Um, one of the things I, I didn't realize that it would be celebrated um, at different points before Holy Thursday. Um, this is the first it had been brought to my my uh, attention, but it makes sense, especially if you have a large diocese, if there's something, you know, where it takes time for some of the priests to maybe travel in. I was thinking of, you know, in Alaska, I know where I grew up in the state of Idaho, it's one diocese, and it could take eight hours for a priest to travel to the cathedral, depending on where he lived. So some of those different just logistical issues don't make yeah. it practical for a priest to be able to get to the Chrism Mass and then still be able to make it back for the evening Holy Thursday Mass at their own parish. Um, so is the Thursday before, is that a traditional time that it might be celebrated, or is it any time kind of leading up from now through Holy Week as each individual diocese or archdiocese kind of sets it? Yeah, I think in, even in our diocese, we, we've done it at different times, I, I want to say, even in my, my time here. So I, it really is a kind of practical kinds of 
uh, considerations. And I, I think there's also, uh, you mentioned just distance, but also uh, for if in most parishes, there is a tremendous amount of uh, preparation and planning and energy around their own particular Holy Week liturgies. And so uh, to have it be kind of, if you will, a, a mirror image on Thursday, so you kind of have that sense of a week before, uh, be but a time when, uh, you know, we, we're not quite into Holy Week, where we haven't, we haven't celebrated that, you know, from Palm Sunday to Easter, for any parish priest or pastor, it's gonna, it goes by like a blink of an eye, right? With it uh, happens so so quick and so so busy and energetic that just it's almost for me doing it on Thursday here before it's just kind of uh, it's, it's almost like a, a kind kind of a deep breath, <laughs> if you will, because we will spend the day and this is perhaps a little bit uh, most. Min- Folks wouldn't know, but it's not just the mass, but we'll gather as clergy for a little day of reflection. Uh, there'll be an opportunity for a priest to go to confession. Sometimes people don't. People think of priests in terms of you know hearing confessions and absolving, but mm-hmm. but we need we need God's forgiveness too. So it's a it's a chance for us to have sacramental confession available, uh, and then we celebrate uh, the mass all together as a, as the priest, bishop, the whole diocese, and then usually there's a, a kind of a meal involved where we we, we get to uh, kind of uh, break bread and, and and socialize and just enjoy that fraternity after the mass. So it, it really is a a day for a kind of renewal, not only for us as as priests, but to come together and to celebrate Mass uh, in unity before the great mysteries of Holy Week uh, happen. And so there's a kind of practicality involved in there, but it can be celebrated. It's up to the bishop any time up to, you know, the Thursday uh, before the Mass of the Last Supper. Wonderful. Well, and so I think this is going to be a Mass that for the majority of Catholics, there's a lot that we might not know about it. And I fall in that camp. I've never actually attended a Chrism Mass. Um, I, I know the basics of what happened there that you kind of walked us through. I know that, you know, the, the three oils are then uh, brought back to the individual parish and they are presented there, um, uh, I believe, on Holy Thursday at Mass. It's one of those things where they're brought back by whoever was the representative of the parish. Um, and so maybe we can talk about the oils in just a moment, but can you explain what this Mass is, how it differs maybe from a regular Sunday Mass that we're all used to attending each week, what someone would see if they attend a Christmas Mass? Yeah, no, the Chrism Mass is, if you will, the brightest light or manifestation of the church at prayer. <laughs> we think of, especially uh, in the early days of the church, you'd have the bishop, who is a successor of the apostles, uh, you know, who were, if you will, ordained by Christ on the Holy Thursday, the, that uh, institution of the priesthood. And so when the, wherever the bishop is, uh, as the church fathers would say, there is Christ. And the Chrism Mass is a moment when the bishop, that representative of Christ, come down through the years, gathers with all of his presbyterate, all the clergy, the priests, the deacons, uh, all those who uh, have care and ministry in the church, and then all of the faithful are invited. And it's interesting because I think there, there has, there's certainly a stress on um, you know, inviting the priests and getting all the priests and deacons and clergy together. But, but, but I have to say, <laughs> a lot of folks, I mean, I, before I entered religious life, I don't think I'd ever been to a chrism mass before unless you'd be working in RCIA or something that would be particularly around ministries that involve oil. It wouldn't even come onto your radar. But, but I always, I'm, I'm a big proponent and advocate for telling folks, hey, we all should be going to the Chrism Mass. It's the one day that, you know, Christ and the representative of the bishop is with all of his clergy and all the faithful to gather in, in one Mass. So to put it another way, every day 
of the year, every second of every day, there's a mass being said somewhere in the world, right? So there's a, a kind of sense that right, the holy right. sacrifice is, is offered. Well, this is the opportunity for the whole diocese <laughs> to offer, if you will, that single mass be uh, gathered together in the great diversity of the body of Christ and to offer worship uh, together. So there's a, it's, it's kind of like when, when the Pope comes and you, you have a, a chance to celebrate a, a special mass with, you know, <laughs> hundreds and thousands of people together, there's a, there's a kind of a, a, a synergy that's there um, that's that's connected together as as the people of God and and for for us as as the, here in San Francisco we're going to do that today but anytime the Christmas mass is celebrated you know it's not just a, a single mass of course but it's a, a one mass which represents most fulsomely if you'll say that sign of a head connected with body to worship God the Father well, an, another thing that I remember um, in a diocese where I used to live, I was talking with Nick, my producer here, and he said that he had experienced this too, that um, just because of lack of space, because they had so many different priests and then the, the parish representatives that would come in, that it would really be kind of an invite only and not to want to turn away people. It was just because practically there wasn't the space to open it up to the public. I know other cathedrals will open it up to the public. So, you know, it's one of those where I guess if you're in an area where you'd like to attend, yeah. but it is limited <laughs> space, do you just contact the diocese or the cathedral that, and just say, hey, I'd like to if there's room? That's right. Absolutely. So I've been in two different, well, more than that, but my pastoral life has brought me both in the diocese of Sacramento, they have a beautiful cathedral, but it is uh, small. It wouldn't be able to fit the whole diocese. So you, that was a kind of invitation, <laughs> kind of thing. But you could, if you wanted to go, you could, you could, you could, you could get a ticket. It wasn't, it wasn't like going to a sports game or something, the Super Bowl or something. Uh, on the other hand, here in San Francisco, the cathedral could could take. If, if I've never seen anyone turned away for lack of space, I'll put it that way. It's a, it's a, it's a large enough space to, to handle anyone who would want to, to be there. Um, so yeah, just to get, you're right. It does it does depend, but but I guess my point is that the, there's a sense in which it is the, uh, the manifestation of the whole community gathered together on that on that one day yeah. of the year uh, to, to to worship in in that uh, that great symbol of uh, how we are connected as, as as head and body of Christ. Well, so let's also open open the phone lines here too, Father, as we're talking about uh, the Chrism Mass, and we're going to be talking about the oils that we receive from the Chrism Mass, uh, talking maybe a little bit more about the priesthood as well here during this hour. And have you been to a Chrism Mass, and what made the experience unique? How did it help you to understand uh, the beauty, that unity of our faith, even more being there, uh, watching all the different priests come in and can celebrate that Mass together? Maybe you have a question about the Chrism Mass or about the oils that are used in some of the different sacraments in the Catholic Church, and you're welcome to call us here and speak with Father Michael Hurley at 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149 is the phone number. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And, uh, Father, you mentioned, you know, the priests will all gather there together, and they have the opportunity for... Um, confession, they'll can celebrate, they'll renew their priestly promises. And so uh, this also, I guess it being with the the um, bishop or the archbishop of whatever diocese, 
typically with you being a priest in a religious order, you still participate in that then. It's any priest that's there within that geographic diocese, they all come together. It doesn't have to only be diocesan priests. Absolutely. And that, that, that kind of adds a further color to what I was talking about before in terms of the church and all its wonderful diversity gathered. So you have certainly not only the priests of the diocese, but all the religious uh, priests and brothers. You have all the, um, many times, uh, the different sisters groups as, as well. So tonight we'll have like a missionary chair there and our own Dominican sisters. And, and there'll be, in other words, uh, in terms of religious groups, all like you kind of, you walk into the church on a chrism mass and you see in one kind of glance, the whole diversity of the body of Christ from, from lay, uh, ordained, secular, a religious, and every type of, 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 of every kind of a group there. And so for the priestly promises, which you're particularly asking about, insofar as you are a priest, you, uh, even if you're a religious priest, uh, in order to function as a priest, to get, have faculties, in other words, to uh, legitimately exercise that office of priesthood that we that have the privilege uh, to have, you you have to have permission from from the bishop. Uh, so um, we are uh, in the diocese, if you will, but not of the diocese. But those promises uh, still are to God uh, through the representative of the bishop, who in a sense is that successor to the apostle. So even though I wouldn't, I don't make vows uh, to the bishop uh, when I'm ordained. You do a promise that you will be faithful to. Uh, you know all the structures and the and the uh, ordinances and and you know the the the, uh, um, the, the sense of direction that the diocese uh, has put forth for legitimate worship. Wonderful. Thank you for that explanation, Father. Yes, sure. Again, talking with Father Michael Hurley here on The Inner Life today. He's a Dominican priest. He's the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. And the phone line to call in today, 888-914-9149, is we're talking about the Chrism Mass that's celebrated annually in our church, in our cathedrals, and also talking about some of the things that we see happen there, and especially the oils that we each one of our parishes receives there from that chrism mass that's celebrated at the cathedral we're going to talk about that coming up next stay with us and again if you'd like to call in with a question 888-914-9149 we'll be back in just a moment here on relevant radio and the relevant radio app catholic order of foresters is proud to sponsor the relevant radio studio line for information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans visit relevantradio.com forester Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today we're talking with Father Michael Hurley, a Dominican priest, the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco, talking about the Chrism Mass, and in many dioceses, it will be coming up a week from today, Holy Thursday, but it can be celebrated here anytime during this upcoming week, depending on what the bishop or the archbishop has uh, set up for the, the specific diocese or archdiocese, and trying to just kind of unpack what 
happens at a Chrism Mass, have a better understanding of that. And in the last segment, talked about what we see if we attend that Chrism Mass. Um, one of the things that you talked about, Father, was the priestly promises that are made there and uh, going back. And that's got to be a special moment for, I think, every priest. I mean, just, uh, you know, when you kind of have that renewal of that family, you as a, a priest, um, I mean, you are in a very real sense married to the church, the bride of Christ. And so uh, renewing those promises has to be a, a very, very um, meaningful event for you each year. Yeah, no, it is a highlight. And I'll just, I'll share this story briefly that I, I realized uh, in, in thinking about it, I, I, I don't think I really went to a chrism mass before I was ordained because uh, normally, you know, in, in, uh, in our house of studies, you know, we have, we'll have our masses there, but it, there would be no need necessarily um, to, as a student, uh, to be involved uh, with uh, with a chrism mass. So the first time I went, I went as a priest, and I I have to admit I didn't even really know there was going to be this priestly renewal. And so they hand out the little you know the little the little cards uh, to help along. And we get to that part of the mass, which is kind of right after the homily, and and the bishop you know says there's there's basically uh, moments uh, three moments he has three questions uh, in which he he basically just says are you uh, in this moment prompted by love of God willingly and joyfully renew your pledge that you made on your priestly ordination. And we all say, I am. And when he asked that, it's just like my heart was struck. I was like, oh, yeah, I am. Amen, I am. <laughs> and, then, and then he goes on, are you, are you resolved to continue to be, you know, a faithful shepherd and steward to, you know, to lead the sacred office of teaching, uh, not for the salvation of souls? And I'm like, I am. <laughs> and, then, and then finally, just are you willing to pour out your life as Christ for others? And we say, I am. And then many ask the people, the bishop asks all the people um, to, to pray for himself, but also to pray for us. And the people all say, Christ hear us. Christ graciously hear us. I just remember that first time experiencing, uh, you know, I did totally unexpectedly. Maybe that was a part of the, uh, the, the, the moment. It was the surprise or the, I didn't expect it. And to have a whole body of people, you know, kind of praying and asking Christ to uh, encourage and uh, strengthen and give us priests the grace we need to be faithful shepherds. It, it was just so powerful that first time it ever happened. And, and every, every time I do it, it's, I, I look forward to it with great anticipation. And I, I might be, uh, I might be, people kind of maybe give me an eye because I robustly answer the I am <laughs> with fulsome voice. <laughs> uh, that, that's great. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want a priest who answers in a mediocre way. Uh, I guess, I guess so. I guess, yeah. <laughs> No, well, it's like I, I it's, 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 I, and I, as I reflect this year, this is, I'm coming up to 15 years of ordination this year. And, um, I just imagine, you know, a, a, I would say, if not every week, quite often, uh, have folks who will come up after Mass and say, oh, it's our wedding anniversary, you know, and we were married here in this church. Uh, we have a beautiful church, so we do lots of weddings, and we've come back to renew our vows or just to have a moment. And it's such a beautiful thing to say, oh, yeah, let's do a little renewal ceremony or have a blessing or something like that. And just, you know, when they say the I do's again, and I, it's, it's just such a, a powerful thing to renew 
those vocational choices the Lord has called us to and we respond to. So for priests, if you if you if you if you want to encourage your priests, you can you can certainly let them know on Chrism Mass Day how much you love them, support them, and encourage them. It's a priest might be surprised that you're aware <laughs> that this is the day for renewal, but every priest will appreciate that sense of encouragement. This would be the day. This would be the day to do it. Or or Holy Thursday, certainly the institution right. of priesthood. Yeah. That's a great recommendation. Uh, again, talking with Father Michael Hurley and our phone number here, 888-914-9149, uh, to call into the inner life, 888-914-9149. Uh, Father, let's go to Lori, who's listening in Englewood, Florida. Lori, it sounds like you had the opportunity to attend a Christmas Mass. Yes, I did, Josh. I'm currently uh, in the, Ven- uh, the Venice, Florida diocese, but for many years I was in the diocese of Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, attended masses in Harrison, Ohio, which is outside of Cincinnati. And uh, a couple of my friends um, had been to the Chrism Mass, and they asked me to join them. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I actually had never been to the cathedral in Cincinnati, Ohio, so it was another treat. Um, So we went to Mass there, you know, beautiful, beautiful place, and it was just... uh, just a wonderful experience. All the priests from the diocese proceeded up, um, and I'm sure there were other religious involved, and they, all the priests had the same type of vestment on, and they all proceeded up, and we were fortunate in Harrison, Ohio, to have three priests, uh, so I did see all of them proceed up, and um, it was just, it was beautiful. Uh, it was very enlightening, because what I've taken with me is, um, again, when you go to Mass, you see your priests, but there's so many priests involved in in the diocese that, you know, we you know, lose sight of. We focus on our pastor. And then it gave me a sense of where those oils come from. I see them at Mass every week, but I never knew that that's the way it was. And in Cincinnati, uh, it was a Tuesday that the mass took place. So um, when I first heard that they they did them on Thursday in many places, that was strange to me. But it, it's interesting that you know again I understand that based on the the diocese you do what works. But in Cincinnati, Ohio, it's Tuesdays, and uh, in Venice, Florida, I I'm not sure when they do it and if it's open to the public. But I definitely encourage anyone that has the opportunity to go it it just helps put some pieces together uh you know of our continual journey as we're always learning things but uh it's fantastic experience if if you're able to go when it's open to the public i strongly recommend you put it on your bucket list for at least once thank you i love it the bucket list it is it's a bucket list liturgy <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Lori, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, Father, you know, she talked about how she recognized, uh, saw, uh, oh, this is where the parish gets these oils. And um, we we do want to talk about that. So maybe we can pivot, um, you know, off of Lori's call here and talk about those. um, I came across 
uh, homily that Pope Benedict XVI, he said um, during the Chrism Mass, and this was in 2010, and he talked about the symbolism of the Chrism Mass, and this is what he said. He said, in the Chrism Mass, the holy oils are at the center of the liturgical action. They are consecrated in the bishop's cathedral for the whole year. They thus serve also as an expression of the church's unity guaranteed by the episcopate, and they point to Christ, the true shepherd and guardian of our souls. And I I thought that might be a good place to start here. We can talk about the three individual oils maybe in a moment, but uh, as we begin, can you maybe help us understand how these oils, how they're at the center of that liturgical action and an expression of the church's unity? Absolutely, uh, because what the, the oil does and is a symbol of and is like we think oftentimes that this makes more sense if it relates to holy water because most people are familiar with the holy water. The holy water that's blessed, um, I mean, if you could do it practically, would all be blessed at the Easter vigil because <laughs> that's when you need it, right? If you could somehow practically, you know, <laughs> uh, bless a, a whole container of water that will last you the whole year, you would because it's that moment in which we celebrate the resurrection of Christ that the power that God transforms and gives to water now is able to be, if you will, connecting us to Christ. Well, so too with the oils. The oils are used in various sacraments, and the oil itself is in this moment um, elevated or blessed or consecrated in order that those who receive that oil might be united to Christ. So the unity of the oil is a unity with Christ. In other words, it opens us up in other ways, and there's different ways in which each oil functions. But in general, they unite in a very specific and yet powerful way to the source of all unity, which is, which is God himself, through the humanity of Christ, touching upon this very material kind of ordinary thing of, of olive oil, <laughs> which has many uses, just practically speaking, and which serves as a wonderful symbol for what they do spiritually, inwardly, by their outward sign. Well, and as you're talking about just ordinary olive oil, um, you know, as I was thinking about this earlier this morning, uh, baptism, I mentioned that sacrament here. I focused on that initially at the beginning of the hour. And just like the water in baptism, the oil, it's just such a very basic and plentiful substance and it, it I, I mean, I think it kind of is representative of the entire Christian experience, you know, where something ordinary, like oil, or in our case, a person, an ordinary person like you or me, we can be transformed into something quite extraordinary when we allow God to work miraculously in us. And this happens with those materials, too, when they're used in the sacraments, simple things like bread or wine or water or oil, they can transform and communicate something supernatural within the sacraments. Absolutely. The ordinariness, if you will, (laughs) is uh, kind of part of the point. I mean, Christ took on an, or if you will, ordinary human body, right? He was born at a particular time and place. Uh, But through the ordinary, the extraordinary (laughs) is transmitted or given. So it's, and and notice too, oil has um, so many different uses, even in in daily life, uh, especially maybe Mm -hmm. in an earlier era, you you use it for fuel, right? So you can burn it, it gives, it can give the source of light. Um, It's used in cooking, (laughs) you know, in order to cook with. Uh, it gives certain uh, unctuousness to food, so you can actually not only prepare food with it, but uh, actually add it to food. It's used to uh, moisturize. 
Uh, and this can be used in two ways, either, either, you know, most of most soaps are petroleum based, so they're oil based. So you're, they actually oil has a function of cleaning, because <laughs> oil and water don't mix. So you use it to, to kind of, you know, if you have some kind of a scrubbing element, element, the oil actually helps to, to wash away. But then if your skin is dry or needs moisturization, what does oil do? It seals in the water. It keeps us hydrated. And all of those, if you will, ordinary daily uses from from when I when, when I make when I make pasta to when I put lip balm on or when I wash my hands, all of those interactions I have with oil every day have spiritual correspondence to the different sacraments for which the oils, the holy oils that are blessed on this Christmas day or consecrated, uh, depending on which oil we're talking about, have that spiritual use in our lives as well. Well, and so we have three different oils that are used by the church, and maybe you can walk us through them and help us understand one at a time. Um, and maybe before we look at each one, why are there three? Why isn't it just one oil that's used for all these different applications that might be needed in the sacraments? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I hadn't, I hadn't had anyone put it quite like that before. Why, why would just the more of a versatile kind of like a Swiss Army knife of oils? No, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's right. because <laughs> exactly just one oil, one oil for all, you know, just kind of like No, I think it's because, um, well, well, there's the historical kind of thing where, where I think each oil was given a particular function and purpose as the different rites okay. began. So, you, so in other words, the, the healing of Jesus t- talks about, in fact, uh, when he heals or, um, you know, brings to uh, there's oh, there can be oil involved there as well. And, and St. James says, you know, um, anoint with oil. So he says, lay hands. He waits. If anyone's sick among you, let them send for the priest of the church, lay hands on them, and then anoint them with oil. So in other words, the apostolic tradition had already been using a kind of specific oil or a kind of oil which was set aside, reserved for that very purpose, whereas the, the chrism oil and the oil for catechumens have very different purposes. So I think, I think, in other words, the diversity of oil has to do with the, if you will, diversity of purpose for which they were given. And if you want, you know, in any kind of instrumentality, any kind of tool, you have to have a tool which kind of fits its purpose. Uh, and so I think that's, that's how you get the different oils based on the, what is actually happening in the sacrament. Well, so let's look at those three. I mean, you made reference to all three of them, and the one, the the name that probably is the the easiest to associate with its function is the oil of the sick. And so we can start there, perhaps. Is that sure. is that all it's used for? Is it ever used for anything else? Uh, I, I mentioned in baptism we have the other two oils that are used, so the oil of the sick, is it expressly for the anointing of the sick? Absolutely. So it's only used in that uh, particular rite for the anointing. Uh, of course, it it's, uh, it's sometimes called a, the rite extreme unction at the uh, kind of at the at the end of life, but can be used at any time when we're experiencing a serious illness of mind, body, or spirit. Uh, and it's called the oil of of the infirmed, uh, or in Latin, oilium uh, informorum. And if you see, sometimes you, if you have it in a vessel, it'll see O I. So if you see a little vessel with oil in it that has OI, that's the oil of the sick. I, I say that only because we sometimes refer to it as the oil of the sick, but OS is not oil of the sick. It's, it, that's, a, that's another, that's the chrism, the sacred chrism. So you don't want to confuse those two. Uh, but the, the um, and as I mentioned, the specific use of this oil comes right from the scripture itself, where St. James says, hey, here's, a, here's a, an issue we're having in terms of, uh, you know, Christ giving us the power to heal 
how do we do that practically? The, the, the anointing of the sick is one of the ones we actually have uh, a, a scriptural rubric for in a very bright line way. When he says, send for the priest, have the priest lay hands on them and anoint them with oil and the prayer that they will save that person. And if they've committed any sins, their sins will be forgiven. And so the, the oil in the firm, not only he, it gives a sense of, it has the potential to, to cure someone physically, but it also uh, inwardly always gives that grace, uh, both for the remission of the sins, if, if folks aren't able to like make a confession there, or it can be integrated into the absolution as well, uh, but it's for healing of mind, body, and spirit. And one of the things that, that always occurs to me when the bishop is blessing this oil is that he says, and it's a huge uh, kind of receptacle that has this uh, olive oil in it, in which he says, everyone who is blessed with this oil through the diocese will experience the healing of Christ. And it's, it's powerful to me because there's a way in which suffering and sickness of mind, body, or spirit can isolate us, make us feel a distance from, from others, from the community, even from ourselves. We're not at our best self, right? When we're suffering, when we're ill, you know, it's not that we're not functioning or on, on all cylinders, so to speak. And to know that this oil, which brings Christ healing, is blessed all at the same time. And anyone who receives that oil, and I like to make this point whenever I do anointings, is to know that you are connected, first of all, to Christ in your suffering. You're not alone. He's right here with you. But to know that you're connected with everyone else who's receiving the same oil that was blessed on this particular day in union with the whole church in calling down God's blessing. So in other words, at the moment in which we feel most you know, distant or cut off or separated in our suffering, that's the moment when Christ wants to be present to us, and the whole body of the Church represented in this oil is there to pray with us and for us and to give us support in that moment. So it's a really beautiful uh, moment. Uh, when, whenever I, I, when the bishop is blessing it, and extending uh, hands in that way, I think of all the thousands of hundreds and thousands of people who will face suffering and, and adversity and perhaps even their own death, and in that moment will receive that unction, that healing of mind, body, and spirit, the presence of Christ, and thereby the presence of all God's faithful in that moment of, of their great suffering to be in union with Christ and the power that's there. It's just, it's, 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 uh, uh, quite powerful. Yeah, yeah. Well, as as you're talking about, you know the the spiritual healing that takes place that we don't just focus on the external, the physical, because you know even thinking to that scene where uh, four different friends they bring their friend who's a paralytic and lower him through a roof because they can't get to Jesus. And what's the first thing Jesus says to the man? He doesn't heal him physically; he heals him spiritually. He says, "Your sins are forgiven." And, Absolutely. you know, it, it, that then opens it up to, you know, uh, you know, is it easier to say rise up and walk or forgive sins? So then it, it proceeds from there as Jesus uses that occasion also to um, give confirmation to his divinity. But Jesus is more, impo- he, he, he's more focused on the spiritual health of that man than on the physical health. But he doesn't then just ignore the physical health. They're no. both... You know that that's what makes up the whole individual there, but that spiritual healing is so important. Yeah, no, it's it's a both and. And let's face it, at the end of the day, <laughs> we're all we're, we're all, we have in order to eat, live eternal life, we've got to pass from this life. <laughs> that's just the, even that's right. even Lazarus, even Lazarus, Christ raised him from the dead last week, and guess what? As someone put to me, uh, maybe a, a little bit with irony, 
It's, he, he, people think him fortunate, but you know what? He had actually died twice. <laughs> it wasn't, right, I don't right. know how much he had to go through two illness. So at the end of the day, all physical healing is for the purpose of that, the eternal healing, that, that, that spiritual healing, because at the end of the day, our, we, we have a limited amount of time here, and it's this time <laughs> and this space that the Lord gives us to prepare for eternity, for, for everlasting life. And so that's what the oil certainly can cure and can bring physical healing, but, um, but in, a, in, a, in a greater way, it's all directed toward and for the sake of that spiritual life of Christ in our hearts and minds and lives. Father Michael Hurley is our spiritual director for this hour. He is a Dominican priest, and today talking about the Chrism Mass, and right now talking about those oils that are blessed, that are sent back to the different parishes um, at the cathedral. Um, they receive those there at that Chrism Mass. We've talked about the oil of the sick, and so coming up we'll talk about the other two oils, the oil of the catechumens and the sacred chrism, and we'll continue that conversation. Also, if you have a question about one of the oils that's used, maybe you have a question about the Chrism Mass, you can call in at 888 More to come in just just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today's show brought to you in part by Sony Pictures production, Father Stew. This biopic shares the conversion and ordination of Stuart Long in movie theaters nationwide on April 13th. This is The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to have you along with us here today. Uh, I want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas N. Gesser for their help in producing the program. And if you just joined us, we're talking about the Chrism Mass that is celebrated in different dioceses. Uh, at some point, might be today, might be Holy Thursday. Traditionally, it is Holy Thursday, but it can vary on the diocese. And what happens there at the Chrism Mass? Some of the significant things that occur, and especially the oils, that's where we are now talking about that. If you missed part the earlier uh, portion of the hour. You can go back and listen to the podcast. It'll be posted here shortly after the broadcast ends. You can find that at relevantradio.com, our website, or on the Relevant Radio app. And uh, again, talking with Father Michael Hurley today and taking your questions, your calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, picking up where we left off, we talked about the oil of the sick. Let's talk about the oil of catechumens. So this is one of those that we know at least, uh, you know, is used in baptism. I mentioned that at the beginning of the hour. Uh, where else is this used? What is the oil of catechumens? What's its purpose? Yeah, so it, it's, it can be called the oil of cate, uh, the catechumens or just holy oil in general. It's a little more versatile. So you, it's mostly used, I would say, in uh, baptiz- preparation for baptism. So it, it's connected with and, and called um, even sometimes the oil of exorcism, as, as you historically, as you mentioned uh, earlier, where it's that oil which uh, gives kind of washes, if you think of the, the cleansing power of oil, <laughs> this is kind of what's, what's, what's kind of uh, denoted by this oil. But it's also uh, perhaps not as well known. It's used when we, con- so if, you, if you're going to consecrate a church or the blessing of altars or in any time that you have um, some, some, some kind of um, oil that's needed, okay, that's not necessarily for healing or for chrism, which is a very distinctive oil, as we'll talk about in, in a minute, um, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like a general oil, if you will. So it's kind of like it's the most versatile of oils for blessing. So if it doesn't have to do with healing or with a particular 
giving of a sacrament, it's it's the oil that's used to bless things as well. Because it casts out well, the and- it, it kind of functions it's kind of the holy water of, of oils, if you will. Very good. Okay, so that's yeah. yeah. And I, I, I wasn't aware. I this was years ago. I had the opportunity to be at a dedication of a church. You know, the consecration there, and that altar, and the uh, the the archbishop that was there doing this. Yeah, he basically just dipped his arms up to his arms in this oil and slathered it all over the altar. Yeah. There, it was yeah. just such a unique experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I've I've actually never been to a. Uh, right like that, I'd love to. I'd love to do it, but it, it's that would be another bucket list liturgy is the consecration of a church because I'm. It's sure you all the all the installing of the candles. And the, there's there's right. there's particular rubrics only done at that mass, which which I which I've heard are quite uh, quite quite visceral, <laughs> as you say. Yeah, um, no, it, it's, whole, it's yeah. it was. It was just a fascinating experience, but go ahead, Father. Oh, yeah, no, I was just going to say, if you want to talk about the uh, the chrism, that's, that's, if you will, the highlight of all the, the oils, if you will. Yes, yeah, so that, that, ex- absolutely, that's where we, that's the, the one left of the three, so the sacred chrism oil, uh, please do explain its use for us. Yeah, and, and I'll maybe just start with the, the way that this oil comes into being is a little bit different than the other two oils, so with the oil of, for the sick or the infirmed, and the, the kind of uh, holy oil or the oil of catechumens are both blessed in a way that might be familiar to folks where you kind of, uh, where you kind of extend hands, you pray a prayer, and we, we pray for that sense of God's working through the oil in an in a, um, instrumental sacramental way. The holy chrism is not blessed. It's specifically consecrated. And here I just, I want to be clear, this is, I'm going to make an analogy. I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm saying, but in a, in a similar way, in an analogous way to how when uh, the priest will take bread and wine or the, the bishop will take bread and wine and consecrate those elements, that is, he will say, this is my body, this is my blood. In that way, it's transformed. It's no longer simply bread and wine, but now the body and blood of Christ. So too, in an analogous way, the oil of chrism is uh, the, the bishop will, will, will blow on it. And it represents that the, um, the Ruah, the Spirit of God, which hovered over the waters at the beginning of creation. And that oil is consecrated. And, and the priests who are there also extend their hands as they would for a uh, concelebration at the moment of words of institution for the Eucharist. We also extend our hands at that moment, joining with the bishop in consecrating that oil to be not simply the instrument of uh, the Holy Spirit, but in some way, <laughs> in an analogous way, uh, the, um, uh, the, the very presence of the Holy Spirit in a unique way. In other words, uh, any blessed object like holy water can communicate God's life, but in a special way, the, the, the sacred chrism is the means by which the God's Spirit, the Christ Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is given to uh, those for who are, um, if you will, anointed with it. So it's consecrated. It's not simply blessed. It's consecrated in an analogous way that the bread and the wine are consecrated now and transformed into something new. So the oil doesn't isn't transubstantiated into the Holy Spirit. We don't say that, but it, analogously, it, it communicates God's life and orients uh, to. Christ who is, and whose name means anointed one. And so it's called chrism because the, 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 um, 
uh, in Hebrew, the, the um, Christos uh, in, in Greek, uh, simply means anointed one. So, <laughs> as I often say, that uh, Christ is not Jesus's last name, <laughs> it's, but it's a title, <laughs> which means anointed one. And that oil mm-hmm. for anointing, the anointing oil, actually imparts the Holy Spirit in a very particular way to conform us to Jesus Christ himself. So it's used up to three times in our Christian journey. It's used as baptism, as you said before, either infant baptism or uh, for, uh, for adults. It's also used in confirmation, which confirms, if you will, our baptism or seals in that Holy Spirit. And then finally, for those who are ordained uh, priests or bishops, we are, our hands are consecrated with that sacred chrism to conform us to Christ, especially in that sacramental ministry that he's called us to. Beautiful. Well, and so with that, out of curiosity, what is the, what gives it the aroma that it it makes it stand out so distinctly from the others? Uh, And I'm so glad you asked. The other two are just olive oils plain, but this uh, has, it's mixed in, and this part of the consecration, right? Uh, a, a kind of a balsam or a, a, a kind of frankincense or, or something. It's 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 a, in liquid form. Um, it's this balsam. And the, the interesting thing to know is that it's a little inside bits. It's opening day for baseball. So here's some inside baseball <laughs> kind of knowledge for you. Is that every bishop chooses and can choose his own particular fragrance or his scent. Oh, so wow. I know <laughs> if you are. So we're gonna well, I'm gonna discover this afternoon. The scent of San Francisco for 2020, 2022, 2023. <laughs> and I, and I will, in baptism, I often let people smell the fragrance because uh, fragrance has to do with memory and that sense of connecting in the moment. I know I have a very distinct sense of the oil that the chrism that I, when I was ordained, <laughs> it brings back, brings yeah. me back. It's like fresh cut grass, you know. So, so anyway, that's, that, that's, that's the balsam and it brings, brings a sense of the Holy Spirit. That's beautiful. Uh, Such a great hour of education here uh, today, Father Michael Hurley. We've got about 15 seconds. Can I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. May Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Father Michael Hurley. Always great to talk with you here on The Inner Life. And want to encourage you to join us here tomorrow on the show. We're going to be talking with a regular voice, Father James Kavicki. He's going to uh, join us here during the hour. Help us get ready for Palm Sunday and Holy Week. Uh, It's going to be a great way to prepare yourself. Talk with you tomorrow.